You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to The Cost. My name is Chris Spangle, and I am the host of not only this podcast, but also We Are Libertarians. And this episode that you're going to listen to was recorded as episode 218 with Chloe Anagnos. And Chloe's a longtime friend of the program and the older sister of We Are Libertarians co-host Kat Anagnos. And Chloe wanted to come on and talk uh, about her reaction to the last episode we did with Addie on CBD oil. A little bit of an update on that. The the law was actually passed that we discussed with Jess and John Hooker, and they're refusing to implement the law here in Indiana because uh, pot. <laughs> That's why. And Chloe and I get into a discussion about how the government makes it difficult to improve yourself. And when you struggle with uh, various medical issues or, or mental health issues, as uh, she and I both do. Uh, we're not crazy people. We just struggle with anxiety and depression, and we get treated for that. And there's a lot of roadblocks that go into that. And we wanted to to kind of dive into that. This is different in that this isn't, listen, this isn't one of the, I'll be honest, some of the episodes that we do on the cost are very traumatic, tough listens. This isn't that. This is a little bit more of a conversation about when you're improving yourself, how the government stands in the way, and how it makes it harder uh, in in a lot of different cases. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Please listen to the entire series of The Cost, share it with your friends, and so people can get a perspective of the human toll that government policy has. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Chloe Anagnos. So we want to talk today a little bit about uh, healthcare, but from a more personal angle, um, you and I both deal with uh, similar health issues, but you a little bit more, and I'll, I'll let you get into that in a second. But yeah, we have a series called The Cost, where we talk about the human aspect of government policy and how government policy actually affects real human beings. And if you go and download that podcast series, uh, the, uh, you know, it's episodes 91, 17, 144. These are episodes that we've done on We Are Libertarians like we're doing here. But they're a little more uh, based around what it what it means to be at the receiving end of government policy. Because I I don't know about you, but having been around politicians for about fifteen years now, working intimately with them, um, having conversations with them, covering them, training them at every level of the political world, um, you know, locally, not not nationally, but. I find most politicians really are doing what they want to do because they it, it's it's half I want to help half I want to be important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know I always say that politics is the revenge of the kid that get, didn't get picked for soccer in third grade. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be popular somewhere. Damn it! I might might as well be popular in politics. But I do think that most people do get into politics with a genuine desire to help make people's lives better. I don't think that people go into it in uh, in the way that I think – I think even Donald Trump, even though he's a malignant narcissist, somebody who is very wrapped up in what he wants, I think even he on some level wants to help people and thinks that he can make it better. He just thinks he's the only one. Um, so our, our, we're libertarians. We don't throw all politicians out and say they're all bad, they're all corrupt, they're all 
just out for money. They're all this. We think that most people, the, they want to help. But the problem is that government sets up incentives that are perverse and that don't help people. And the, it, it incentivizes the bureaucracy to do what benefits them. And so government policy, usually as a result, ends up hurting a lot of people. And, you know, if you go and listen to the cost episodes, you you hear episode 144, 100 people interact with this woman who's a victim of domestic violence at every level. None of them help. Nothing gets solved. The case continues to this day. It is still not going in her favor. Um, You have episode 160 and 163 where you have two people who go to prison and come out and try to make the world a better place. Richard's doing amazing uh, work in the local community despite having a criminal record and all that that is stacked against you. And Addie's story, which you listened to, that you mm-hmm. were inspired by, which is kind of what spurred you to come, want to come and talk about some of this. Um, Indiana actually passed the law that we discussed in that episode in Addie's story uh, of the cost, where it's a young girl who st- suffers with a lot of uh, seizures and CBD oil has been helping her kind of deal with some of those and a law was introduced in indiana and eventually signed by the governor that allowed uh cbd oil to be used legally here in indiana and sold on uh store shelves i believe um but typical government fashion it's not been enacted there's people are they're they're halting and delaying the actual implementation of the law and the people that suffer are people like addy they mm-hmm. aren't. They aren't. You know, the politicians' children, because lo and behold, you know, they they get that right through. Um, so sometimes the un the unforeseen costs. Now, a lot of these episodes are emotionally traumatic. What we're going to talk about today is not as emotionally traumatic. No, <laughs> not not even close. Uh, but this is just sort of it's. This is more. Let's put this on like the annoyance level as opposed to like devastatingly sad. So yeah. some of those episodes get pretty tough emotionally. But I I do that because I want people to understand the emotional cost because libertarians are so often focused only on the numbers and cents mm-hmm. and not the actual human element. And so uh, what do what do you want to kind of talk about today? Why don't you set up, what was your reaction to Addie's story first? Yeah, well, first of all, and I kind of mentioned this before we started, but I originally began my journey in the Miss America organization wanting to bring awareness to arthritis, mm. um, talking about how it impacts people, um, physically, mentally, emotionally, economically. If anybody doesn't know, explain what arthritis is. So arthritis is categorized by the 120 different diseases that can affect your mobility. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of people are familiar with like rheumatoid arthritis. I think that's one of the most common. Mm -hmm. Um, In Indiana, there are more than 600,000 children that are affected by juvenile arthritis. Really? Yes. uh, More than half a million. Um, Arthritis is the number one cause of disability. In mm-hmm. the United States, it does not affect age, race, nationality. Anyone can get it. Um, my grandmother has rheumatoid arthritis. It's very difficult for her, for her to sew. She loves to sew. She loves to golf. Can't really do that anymore now that it, she's is almost. Is it like inflammation of the joints? Infl- yeah, inflammation of the joints, ligaments, um, especially where you move the most. So your hands, your elbows, your knees, shoulders. I mean, it really it's just the inflammation of the body. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think probably most people that are listening, they all know someone that has arthritis. Um, so that was something that I was really and still am passionate about 
talking about promoting arthritis awareness, um, research funding, that kind of thing, um, working with the Arthritis Foundation, all of that good stuff. Um, I'm on the like official email chain for the Arthritis Foundation. So anytime there's some type of bill that's either in the Indiana or like, you know, federal legislature that, you know, affects arthritis, um, the disease funding, have whatever it may be. I'm one of the people that's typically like mad tweeting at legislators, like, please pass this because it'll help arthritis patients this way. Right. Um, so I myself don't have arthritis. I really think that I'm starting to develop carpal tunnel from just being on the computer all day, which mm-hmm. carpal tunnel is a form of arthritis, which I'm sure a lot of, you know, that's pretty common. I can imagine that the, the us millennials 20 years from now, that's going to be something that we really talk a lot about. Oh, it's, it's going yeah. to be huge. Um, but as I've kind of gotten older and as my health has changed, I've really noticed how... Um, you know, we talk a lot in the media about invisible diseases. Arthritis mm-hmm. is an invisible disease. Um, so is anything that has to do with your mental health. That's an invisible sure. disease. Something that's not obvious. Like, oh, well, you know, if you have arthritis most of the time, and maybe you're not in a wheelchair or you're using crutches or anything like that, mm-hmm. that's visible, right? You right. obviously can tell, okay, something's wrong. Um, My grandfather lost his right leg in the late 80s to, oh, okay. to a staph infection, and, that, and that's very visible. It's a chronic mm-hmm. condition. I mean, it's not a condition. It's, a, it's, 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 I guess, an injury, but you know, it's something that he's had to struggle with uh, his entire life, and it's very obvious, and people make a big deal out of it, you know, but my other grandfather, who passed away 20 years ago now... Um, was in World War II and struggled with, uh, although nobody knew it at the time, not even in 97 when he died, he struggled with PTSD. I mean, mm-hmm. I've seen some of the photos of, of what happened at Okinawa and what he saw and struggled with crippling depression and PTSD his entire life. And, right. you know, so the one grandfather in our family was, oh, fond over, you know, rightly so, while the other grandfather just kind of suffered in silence and didn't want to talk about it. Right. And as I've kind of gotten older I've realized like um, and you know I've talked about this how Mm. typically if you have an invisible disease you suffer in silence sure Um, and it's debilitating depressing horrible Um, well people don't generally want to talk about illnesses anyways no of course but if but if it's depression uh, or something something along those lines people don't know how to handle it Mm -hmm. you know because it's 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 stereotyped right so mental health i think is is something that we as a society do a pretty poor job of discussing and trying to treat right absolutely and i think one of the big things um in listening to addy's story was me just kind of realizing like oh okay yeah arthritis i don't want to say you know advocating for arthritis is um you know, the only thing that I want to be an advocate for now. Um, I think one of my big things that I'm kind of working my, my way towards is being an advocate for someone that has an invisible disease. Mm-hmm. Um, and this whole CBD oil thing that's going on in Indiana has really just kind of lit a fire in me. And it just makes me 
wonder if people in our legislature realize that, okay, by not enacting a CBD oil like law and kind of holding it just on the back burner, you're impacting a lot of people that could potentially be helped with that oil. Well, and one of the reasons that we do these kind of episodes is that you can send Addie's story to a legislator right? and they can hear the impact. And this is an hour, a tight hour of exactly what this family goes through. And Woody has used Rachel's story about his daughter dying in the prison to actually help get Corizon kicked out of the state of Indiana, mm-hmm. you know, because he's been able to take that two hour podcast that Greg and I did with him. And he's been able to educate legislators on the actual impact of what Corizon having a contract as a private prisoner, a prison, private prison vendor, what impact they have on society. And he was able to use our our episode to help force Corizon out of the state of Indiana. And uh, one of the, the, the tenets is that, yeah, numbers and cents are important, but at the same time, you guys, emotions really do matter because what, let me, let me exemplify this. What caused you to choose arthritis as a cause during your Miss, Miss America days? Um, it was, a lot of it was my grandmother. And mm-hmm. seeing how I, I don't want to use the word suffer because she has an amazing quality of life, an amazing attitude, but seeing her not be able to golf as much, her, you know, sitting in my pageants or orchestra competitions, you know, cello, woo, <laughs> um, but but having a really hard time sitting and being in pain and having to take Vicodin every day because of the inflammation. Mm -hmm. Um, My boyfriend's mother has arthritis. I have a lot of sorority sisters that have arthritis and struggle. Um, And so that was really the the one thing that kind of pushed me towards it. It's actually also my um, sorority's national philanthropy is Mm. the Arthritis Foundation and raising funds. So when I got to college and was going through sorority recruitment, I had that connection. Like, I know so many people with arthritis. Yes, I want to, you know, be on the dodgeball committee to help raise money for arthritis. And my sorority, I think my senior year, we raised about $15,000 for the Arthritis Foundation. Um, which was great, absolutely amazing, and really helped a lot of people that way. Um, And I will say one of my um, older sorority sisters, I did not go to college with her, but she has dystonia. And um, uh, uh, dystonia is in the same category as arthritis, but it's a muscular degenerative disease. Mm -hmm. Um, So Diane Reams from NPR, she has it in her voice. That's why she has. She talks. Yeah, Yeah, she talks like that. Because her vocal cords are like becoming stone, essentially. Yes, exactly. So that's what happens. So my sorority sister, um, I follow her on Facebook. She would always come to our events. I'm just seeing her trying to hold a piece of paper and shaking because her muscles won't let her move or move the paper up closer to her face so that she can see it Mm. it's heartbreaking yeah you're not in control of your own body um so the empathetic part of you that sees another human being going through pain makes you want to help them absolutely but i mean i'm not a nurse you know there's not really much that i can do i am blessed with the ability to write and to reason and to speak. And I think that... Well, let's not go too far. Well, we won't go too far. On the the speaking thing. (laughs) On the speaking thing. Um, I'm able to speak. (laughs) I'm able to speak. It's not that bad. I'm just teasing Oh, okay, thanks. Uh, (laughs) But that's that's where I think my... um, Where I can help the most. Yeah. And I am... I dabble in politics. um, So I think that's something that I can do to 
help in some way. Yeah. And I and I think that is the driving force for most politicians is that mm-hmm. they they hear these stories and they, you know, we have a situation where I would ask you all to go to the We Are Libertarians Facebook page, uh, go to wearelibertarians.com and you can find my personal Facebook page or Greg's first personal Facebook page. Uh, feel free to follow us there, but uh, we have we have a friend, Larry Ralph and Michaela Smith. They they were cleared. She's she was pregnant, and they were cleared to go to Mexico. Mm-hmm. And they were went to Cancun on a vacation that they had planned long ago before they recognized it. And so she went into extremely premature labor, had an emergency C section. They had the baby in uh, Cancun, Mexico. Uh, they they both survived. Uh, the baby is uh, the little boy Beckham. He's two pounds. And they were basically held hostage by the the Mexican hospital, saying, "You give us seventeen thousand dollars in an, in the next hour, or we're putting you onto the streets." Mm-hmm. And uh, which is certain death, which is just so beyond comprehension and humanity. Uh, and so, a lot of us have put together a GoFundMe that is on our Facebook pages, in our Facebook group, and we're asking you guys to help pitch in because. They were able to get the $17,000 paid to the hospital to get them released to an emergency Learjet medical service that cost them another $30,000 to bring them to Riley Hospital. And then, you know, obviously, uh, as we know from our friend Harry, who who had his daughter Gunther, uh, who was premature in the same situation, it's just astronomical health bills. And uh, so they were fortunate to get the the family to pitch in that amount of money but people in indianapolis have seen this story on the local news and our listeners have pitched in and friends and family have pitched in and have on gofundme raised i think it was around twenty thirty thousand dollars last time i looked in in a span of 24 hours mm-hmm. uh and that that is just a great example of uh, the the only thing that government was used for is is several of us kind of pitched in and went to the, through our back channels and got a, got a hold of Senator um, Todd Young, and uh, uh, he, he was willing to help. He did not help uh, because he wasn't needed, but uh, Congressman Rakita and Congressman Trey Hollingsworth, both um, a big thank you to their offices for intervening and kind of helping set up the angel flight to get the, the child here and putting pressure on the Mexican hospital to release the child. But that's a great example of empathy where Everybody works together and can pool their resources and $10 from you to help this couple uh, in a very traumatic time has lifted their spirits in a way that is just so incredibly, uh, it, it leaves them speechless. They're absolutely speechless by the outpouring of support from the from the community of Indianapolis. And hopefully after you hear this, we are Libertarians listeners. Uh, he is a listener of the, the program and so we want to help our own. But when when you see these things happen we as animals essentially see another animal in pain and don't sit there and go i'm not helping that person they're republican right i'm not helping that person they're jewish i'm not helping that person they're methodist like we we are empathetic creatures and we want to help others and so often we are not able to help others because of bureaucratic red tape right and You've experienced a little bit of this. You were telling me before that uh, how just time-consuming. I mean, it, it's just the bureaucratic red tape there was the Mexican government extorting money so they could be cleared to go through customs to get out of the country. 
all the way down to the red tape that you have to deal with. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you want to share what what illnesses yeah. you struggle with? Yeah, well, some of them. Um, so the one that I like to talk about the most, just because it's something that if left undiagnosed could kill you, mm -hmm. essentially. Um, so I have hypothyroidism, which okay. means that my thyroid, which is the butterfly gland that's in your, my neck, okay. um, doesn't produ produce enough hormones in my endocrine system. Right. So if your thyroid is off, like your mood is affected, your body is affected. Um, I was diagnosed when I was, I think, 16 or 17, which is very young for mm -hmm. someone with hypothyroidism. Um, at first it was if and if anyone has ever gone through trying to get a diagnosis it's excruciating at first my doctors thought oh well you know you have a lot of stomach stomach pain Crohn's disease celiac disease um I thought for a second you said you have a lot of stumps I was like stumps <laughs> no I don't have Ooh. I don't have a lot of stumps I hope I don't get that <laughs> <laughs> no it's terrible um but a, a huge symptom of hypothyroidism is having uh, just awful stomach pain mm -hmm. um losing your hair that's one of the reasons why my hair is so thin mm -hmm. um being cold all the time that's why you'll see me even in the summer wearing i'm i'm wearing a knee length dress because even right. i'm i'm in your apartment it's 100 degrees out but i'm cold yeah well it's 65 it's 65 in here but yeah. you know whatever um but it's something that if you don't take thyroid hormone you really could do damage hmm. to your body um so anytime i and it's very prevalent in women it's hereditary a lot of women in my family have it um i have a lot of friends that as they have gotten older talk about how oh my gosh i have you know i'm in pain all the time i'm really tired i'm lethargic i'm not really sure what's going on maybe it's my period maybe it's this and it's me saying you need to get your thyroid checked mm. because that controls so much of the emotional the physical the mental i mean everything that goes on in your body um so for me i've been taking thyroid hormone and i mean you know you gave a very extreme example of you know friends of ours that are going through a hard time i i don't come here today to talk about my own problems to try to get attention but just you know really to kind of talk about what everyday normal people go through um for me i've been well, taking well i'm asking you because yeah, i think right. that w like part of one of the fundamental principles uh that i believe in is that when humans tell their story other people identify with that story and seek help or seek comfort in knowing that they're not alone right absolutely and, and that's a huge part of the reason that i do this podcast that's a large reason why we used to do the podcast creating maya about a trans person is because people need to see the humanity identified and then they go oh okay so don't feel ashamed telling your story because I'm asking you to. I want right, you to. Right, right. No, I know what you mean. Um, but one of the things for me, you know, when you're a teenager being diagnosed with something that's chronic is scary as hell. Right. Um, you know, your life is changing. It's a miss your miss your medicine in the morning and you're going to be sick for the rest of the day kind of right. thing. Um, so I remember just having, um, I don't know if it was anxiety depression it probably was all of it rolled into one being different being that person that if i don't eat right now i'm going to just get sick if i don't go to the bathroom right now like please let me go to the bathroom i'm having an issue which remember, we have learned here which we have learned here yes but I, I i distinctly remember sitting um i think i had been i'd been gone i had missed a french quiz something like that so you know how like oh, if you miss a quiz just go sit out in the hallway take it right and come back in um, I remember at this point I was having a really hard time because I also had like acid reflux at the time, which is another symptom. So it's like you have a disease and you have like these 10 symptoms that you have to deal with. And right. I remember sitting in um, the hallway 
And the only thing that I could really stomach was Cheerios, just dry Cheerios. Mm-hmm. So I had a little plastic baggie. I'm sitting there, I'm eating, and I'm taking this quiz. And I remember one of the Spanish teachers was like coming back from the bathroom or something and saw me eating and came over to me and said, are you supposed to be eating this right now? And because, you know, you're not in my high school, you're not supposed to have outside drink or food in class. And right. I looked at him and I said, my my blood sugar is kind of low. I know it's not candy or anything, but I need to eat. And he was like, well, you need to eat and then you just need to put it away. And I just remember <laughs> sitting there and thinking I'm like 16, 17 at the time. And I just remember sitting there almost crying like this is the only thing I can stomach right. the majority of the day. And you know my i was fortunate i you know would take my own lunch um and i couldn't really eat anything that was fried or that was really greasy just because i couldn't stomach it right and that was some that was one of the things that tipped my doctors off they were like well maybe you have crohn's disease we're not sure what's going on um and i th- i want to say this was before i got my diagnosis but it was like would you rather as a teacher as an educator have me government employee even have me sit here and be starving and not learning anything or mm-hmm. would you rather have me nourished and have me taking this quiz and getting an A and that was like one of my very first memories of you jerk how like how dare you say that to something you don't know what someone's going through absolutely you know? well and that's a very human impulse and that's a big problem with government is that the rules and the laws the ridiculous laws that we have created must be followed and obeyed right and by building a system like we have built with our healthcare system, it's like when you hear about the Canadian or the British healthcare system with single payer. I'm sorry, these are the laws, these are the rules. We don't care if your grandmother's drinking the water out of the plants because she's so dehydrated. We, we just don't have the resources to help them. The law and the rules must be followed, and humanity and empathy come second. And so right. the the bigger we grow government, and especially in the healthcare sector where it's so incredibly important to have empathy, it, it just hurts people more and more and more and leads us to make worse choices. I mean, so so the, the condition that you have now, I mean, how does it impact you today? Um, I, I will say I'm very proud of myself. I have uh, TH or thyroid hormone levels that are really low. Mm-hmm. So when you, like, let's say you are feeling really lethargic, like anyone that's listening, if you feel like something's really off, please just go and ask and get your thyroid tested. You, or your you, T. Or that too. I mean, you, you, you really know. You, you Maybe you just had low T, Chloe. I probably did have low T. I bet that's really what Honestly, it was. Honestly, your biceps <laughs> look a little small. I'm just saying. I mean, I don't know. I've been working out. <laughs> not bad, actually. Not, yeah, not too bad yeah I, mean, I got some guns bigger than your sisters <laughs> right um but any anyway when you go in and get your blood work done ultimately you want your thyroid levels to be like as close to zero as possible if it's like above five and i'm not a nurse i'm not you know science is like way over my head but if mm-hmm. you're above a five like omg that's horrible like you need to get that checked out um last time i went and checked my levels were at like a point six, and they mm-hmm. were really good so um that's really great, but unfortunately, something that has been a symptom of thyroid disease is anxiety. Mm-hmm. And that is, I think anyone at any point in their life goes through anxiety, just right. whether there's some type of life change, anything like that. If I, they have a podcast. If they have a podcast, <laughs> if they have cats, I don't know what happens. Cats, um, cats and agnosis. Cats and agnosis. <laughs> but something that I really noticed that um, I didn't have anxiety in high school, it was when I made a major life change and went to college was when it flared up. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's unfortunately something that I struggle with today. Right. 
Um, and you and I have kind of talked about it. Yeah, I've been very open. I mean, I mm-hmm. I deal with a lot of anxiety. I've dealt with a lot of depression, a lot of suicidal ideation. Uh, I would never commit suicide because, as I mentioned on a recent episode, I'm way too vain. Uh, I wouldn't want that to be the thing that people remember me for. I want them to remember me for my podcast. Uh, but, I mean, even, even as recently as this week, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, just dealing with a lot of depression and a, and uh you know i i take lexapro for it i if i could go back 15 years i probably wouldn't take medicine for it but i i do and i do think that it benefits me in some way i've taken clonopin in the past which uh, had i had i, I so well, one of the things that we like with depression medication you start messing with your balances that i want to talk about the prescription process yeah um, because you and I have had very different, like I called my doctor and I was like, I'm having panic attacks and I'm really depressed. And he's like, here's Klonopin. And, uh, then I took it and I took it and then I was just kind of going off of it. And I was like, looked up the symptoms because I figured maybe that's why I'm so tired. It's like detoxing from this will cause seizures. And like, <laughs> it's just this highly addictive medicine that can permanently change your brain in the way that like the same as Xanax and Klonopin, they all are kind of similar and i'm just like i just called this dude on the phone one day at work last year because i was really overwhelmed and he just wrote me a prescription for something that could permanently change my brain and we didn't even have a conversation about it he just said go pick it up at the at the pharmacy this is a controlled substance that you know is is something that is highly addictive that people break into pharmacies for and like i just he just gave it to me you Mm -hmm. know and i've had refills since where it's just like but it's one of those things that I would never ever uh, abuse and like honestly if I actually smoked pot and I've thought a lot about this like if I smoked pot I I think I would be much safer smoking pot or edibles or something because I wouldn't have the negative consequences the potential negative consequences of that but I'm I'm a rule follower like we talked about right me too and so I'd rather get the clonopin than go do the pot because well, I don't want to get. I don't want to do something illegal. Right. Doing things that are illegal are against my moral system. Right. But at the same, you know, it's that it's that weird trade off, and so government policy has, in my own life, affected my decision making to to have me a, a year ago pursue a treatment that was far more dangerous than something that is currently a Schedule One drug, and that which comes is, from the ground. That comes from <laughs> like Schedule One is heroin and cocaine and pot. Like, does anybody think that pot is a Schedule One? It's so ridiculous. Um, you know, methamphetamine is a Schedule One drug, uh, it, and and so I pursued a more risky, more dangerous, more life-altering treatment um, just by trusting my doctor, which is silly. I should have, you know, obviously personal responsibility. Look what you're putting in your body instead of going after pot. Mm-hmm. You know, which is very. Uh, uh, mystifying to me as I look back now, but you don't always make rational choices when you're depressed and dealing with some of that stuff. Well, and you almost will do anything to get better because right. it took a lot of energy and just general like morale building upness, I guess, right. to get yourself up off the couch and to go to your doctor and to say, "Hey, something's wrong." It's Help it's tough out. to admit that you're struggling. I it, mean, it really is, and yeah. honestly, I was kind of nervous about coming on the podcast today and saying, "Hey, I struggle struggle with anxiety and depression," but now I'm like, "Hey, let's just talk about it," because I hope that ultimately someone will go to the doctor 
because of this you know and someone will try to make a change so in what way just i mean i struggled for a really long time with just being anxious having anxious thoughts um having depression that kind of thing and it wasn't really until i kind of said you know i'm i'm not going to feel this way anymore i'm tired of it and it wasn't until i called my doctor i think this was i want to say maybe around this time last year Mm -hmm. and i said hey I don't want to deal with this anymore. So, no, yeah, fix my mic. You know, I said I don't want to deal with this anymore. Something needs to be done. Enough is enough. What can we do about it? Right. And I have a great. My doctor's great. I think it's really important to find a doctor. Doctor Nick. Doctor yeah. who? <laughs> doctor Nick. You know from S- Nick. The Simpsons. Hey. Everybody. Oh no, no. I I have Doctor Megan, and she's amazing. Um, but it's. It's wanting to take those right steps and, you know, maybe asking for some support or having someone take you to the doctor or having someone refer a doctor to you. Um, I actually have a really close friend of mine who struggles more so than I do with anxiety and depression. And I gave her a referral and I'm actually really, really glad and really happy for her. She's Mm. doing a lot better. Um, so that's one person. I don't want to say that, oh, you know, I'm this awesome person that's referring people and telling them to go to the doctor, but I hope that, <laughs> but, come on. but come on, no, but I mean, I really, I want to inspire people to just take, I mean, we all know, go to the doctor, eat a little bit better, go and work out. Like those are some things that you can really do to kind of change your mood, change Talk, your life. Uh, I mean, you really know? give people something to identify with. What was, what were the emotions that you were feeling when you were feeling at, at your low, what was the, yeah i can tell you what made me change earlier this year but i want to hear what made you kind of make the change make personally. the change um i i think it kind of came in stages um so i think a lot of whatever anxiety or depression that i have stems from having a chronic illness that i cannot control mm-hmm. and i think that that happens with a lot of people right. i mean you have rheumatoid arthritis and you you can't golf like you once used to like that is pretty depressing so i think around this time last summer i was just very tired very moody felt worthless felt like i didn't have any friends that i could really rely on didn't know what i wanted in life didn't know where i was going i had um had I just graduated from college? I had, yeah, I was a recent college graduate, didn't know. Like, you sit there and you kind of question all of the choices that you've ever made. And you're like, oh my gosh, I had a, was it right of me to have this peanut butter and jelly sandwich for lunch? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, you have these yeah. ridiculous thoughts and that I've go had, through your head. And I've you had know? this conversation with your sister because the the couple years after you graduate college are the loneliest years of anyone's life oh like, for sure it's, absolutely it's, and, and it's everybody like if you're in college now enjoy it and just be prepared that once you graduate college it's going to be kind of like a lonely situation i mean it's it's very common to just have that isolation well it's isolation but it's also figuring out okay what alumni group can i get involved in what you know i don't want to say extracurricular but you, you need to find some type of hobby or mm-hmm. some type of um support group or friend group that can really you know that you can lean on because you know when i graduated the majority of my college friends moved to chicago the west coast the east coast like they're all over the place a lot of my sorority sisters aren't in the state anymore yeah which really sucks um so when i kind of hit that low point it was okay i definitely need to talk to my doctor um and i've been doing a lot better ever since and i think with what what was the treatment the treatment um just uh if you want to talk about it yeah variety of medications um 
typical antidepressants, that kind of thing. Um, but along with that was just eating better, exercising. Mm-hmm. And I was telling you about this. So I recently hired a personal trainer who is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I don't want to say I kind of hit another low point, but I realized, okay, in the last year I've gained about 15, 20 pounds more than I wanted to. Um, what? Yeah, your boyfriend's outside. Yeah. Yeah. But in, <laughs> in all the right places. Oh, I'm just stop, <laughs> stop, stop. Um, but I mean, that's, that's, that's something else when you have thyroid disease, it's really easy to gain weight and with depression and anxiety, it's easy to gain weight and it's easy to just sit on the couch and binge watch Netflix and mm-hmm. be like, uh, I don't really want to go to the gym today. You know what I mean? Um, so I kind of had another breaking point where I was like, okay, I'm feeling better. Like mentally I'm mm-hmm. feeling better. But physically, I know I need to get back into the gym. I need to, I need to be active. Right. Um, and I've been going, my trainer and I meet five days a week. And I've been seeing him for two weeks. And it's made a significant difference. Yeah. I'm not saying that everyone, you know, everyone needs to start eating clean or everyone should hire a personal trainer. But if you can just walk five, ten minutes a day, that's going to do a lot more good for you than just sitting around. Well, I think... F- I it was uh so I have these vacations. I have one in July and two weeks in um in uh the, the Christmas time mm-hmm. uh in December. And so I never go anywhere because I spend way too much money on this podcast to be honest and so it it doesn't allow me to travel really. Um I've spent uh if you're watching on YouTube, uh, you're <laughs> seeing all the incredible costs that have gone into this to right. to kind of build a new business. And uh, but I spend that week just kind of relaxing and staying home and doing nothing. And in December, I got to a point where I, I, I between Christmas and New Year's did not leave the house. I only ordered in pizza every single day. I had hit almost 300 pounds again. I just was an absolute slug. My body hurt like I went to the doctor in December because I was having this horrible pain in my leg mm-hmm. and he goes it's because you're fat and you're not moving <laughs> right like he was he was like you aren't using your muscles you you need to mo- use your muscles actually exercise and that pain will go away and, mm-hmm. and he was exactly right and so I just kind of made a decision that like every day in 2017 I'm gonna go to bed wake up and go to bed having giving everything that I can emotionally physically and mentally and spiritually in 2017 and go to bed empty not exhausted but just kind of empty like i've done everything i can to improve one thing about myself that day and uh you know i'm down 10 percent of my body fat i've i i feel a lot better i still am struggling with depression but i think that's because i'm eating more carbs and i'm not going to get into the keto lifestyle because i don't want an email from bittner but (laughs) high fat low carbs works better for me and yeah and i think as i've gone to improve my nutrition i have been surprised at how uh, two things i think the marketplace has greatly improved in in organic selections and greg loves to tease me about organic food but i think the marketplace is definitely shifting towards buying healthier foods less pesticides Mm -hmm. more organic products and it is it it is i i think it's made a huge improvement in my psyche and in my body and in my moods by choosing foods that are have been alive in the last 30 days and as organic as I can possibly get it. You know, like organic bananas don't cost that much more. 
it's really hard to find organic sweet potatoes, for instance, where I'm at. So I just don't get that choice, for instance. But when I can, I do kind of choose these better quality quality items, except for chicken, <laughs> because organic chicken is a ripoff. Uh, <laughs> and but you so you have to be a smart consumer about these things. And when you're trying to improve your life and make these improvements in in the quality of your life, you have to be a really good consumer. And that is uh, a process that all of us should embrace as libertarians because we should want to do more research into – I just find the the life of relying on the government to do things for us is a very lazy, unchallenging, unstrenuous, and soul-crushing life. Because you're not waking up every day going out and finding who's the best doctor, who's going to be the best trainer, how am I going to push myself today, what person am I going to help, what am I going to build to increase my uh, profitability. And I think that a lot of the depression that a lot of people feel is that they kind of have let themselves get caught in the trap of just well, I'm just going to go to whatever doctor my government insurance assigns to me. I'm going to eat whatever the FDA says is good for me. Right. I'm going to take whatever pill the the entirely uh, corrupt system of medicine says is best for me, as opposed to kind of grabbing life by the nuts and, and really trying to improve your situation. And, and I think that's kind of what you're getting at, is that, mm-hmm. l- listen, to improve yourself, you have to be more libertarian in that you have to live out these values of embracing the free market, embracing individualism and improving your state, and not just taking everybody's word for everything and kind of going out and trying to do some homework and figure some things out. Absolutely. And it's, I am a lot more happy than I have been, I think, since I graduated from college. I feel better about myself in general. Um, and I, I think those that are closest to me have really noticed a difference, mm-hmm. which is great. I also have a really awesome doctor mm-hmm. to thank. Um, I've gotten some really great referrals in the indie area for people that can kind of help in my situation, and that's great. However, that's not the same for everyone. Right. There are a lot of people out there that might not necessarily have the resources or time that I do to try to help me. Um, so that's why I am here that's why i've kind of made it my um mission i guess in the last couple months couple years to really be an advocate for those who can't necessarily help themselves because the government won't let them in what way in what way i mean in making decisions for themselves regarding their health care and i mean we can we can talk about i don't want to talk about obamacare necessarily but um i kind of brought up the example of some of the restrictions on medication that they're are for Mm -hmm. example so um i think on some of my notes here i have that and i'll put the show notes that you prepared in the uh the the actual if you the show notes are at we are libertarians.com uh not necessarily on your podcatcher um right because it'll be huge but go check out we are libertarians.com the show notes will be there so i talk about um in an article that i wrote for the advocates recently i said that in the united states schedule three and schedule four drugs like xanax subzone etc are treated almost the same way that Schedule um, One drugs are treated. Like I mean, methamphetamine. Methamphetamine. Yeah. I mean, obviously they're not on not on the same level, but as far as getting them, it's difficult. So for me, if I want to go pick up my Xanax, 
um, I think on my my pill bottle. Actually, hold on, let me look at it. Yeah, like I tried to buy. Um, I'm a bulk shopper, so like I have 17 years worth of toilet paper. Jeez, how old are you, Granny? <laughs> I actually I got that for my birthday. <laughs> Pedro got it for me. Oh, you're. <laughs> That may be, honestly, you're dating a Republican and that might be the cause of some of your angst. Who knows? Um, This is a little, (laughs) it's a little smudged, but essentially where it says refills, it says call provider. Right. So for Xanax, I can get 20 of them every 30 days. Now I don't, I don't have to take something like this every day. Sure. Right. Like this is a crutch for if I'm on a flight and... I'm hitting some major turbulence and I think I need right, something like because bit, I'm going to have a panic Bittner, attack. Bittner just showed up and you need to deal with it. Exactly, right? right? Emotionally. Emotionally, what am I supposed to do? Um, but I mean, you, you look at any type of Schedule 3 or 4 drug like this and there's some type of restriction on it. So, for example, I'm going on vacation on Sunday. Um, technically, I would like to refill my prescription. I haven't refilled it since the last time I went on a plane, mm-hmm. but I have to go see my doctor. In order to do it because they need to make sure that I'm not selling my drugs out on the street. Right. Which I'm definitely not because I need them, you right. know, obviously. Um, and it's this, it's the same with people that take opioid pain medicine. Sure. They, um, I have an example, actually one of Bittner's relatives, he and I had a, a conversation about this. She had some type of major surgery, cancer, something like that. And she had her prescription in her car and just picked it up went to the grocery store, went someplace else to get something. She comes back, her car is broken into because someone wanted those opioid drugs. Right. She calls her doctor and is like, hey, someone stole my prescription. What am I supposed to do? And they're like, well, sorry, we can't give you anything because you lost your prescription. Oh, well, I'm come on you know right. what what are you supposed to do you just had surgery and you can't have your Vicodin or whatever. Well, here's the problem is that if you talk to any nurse, 50 to 60% of the patients that come into the emergency room are just fishing for opioid drugs. Oh, of course. Um, the the opioid epidemic and the heroin epidemic are uh, of astronomical proportions and and it's and it's partially it's partially due to the government. I mean, first of all, let's I mean, let's dip our toe into the war on drugs on the opioid stuff mm-hmm. because it does it, it like I, like I was saying, I'm a bulk shopper, and I developed allergies, seasonal allergies, last year. And so this year I've been taking um, uh, Claritin with pseudofedrine occasionally just because it, it really works for me well. And uh, <laughs> and so I tried to buy two boxes of the Claritin, and they're like, no, you'll have to come back in two weeks and get this other box. It's like, Okay, right. Be- because you know, because of the meth laws, they don't want people going and buying it. It's just a silly inconvenience that rational adult people should not have to go through in a free society. Because all all they did is they went from meth. You know, the the drug trade here in Indiana just stopped going after meth and started doing heroin and and opioids, and now they're just robbing the drugstores for opioids and pseudofedrin. So instead of them, you know, buying 17 boxes, they just put a gun in some poor clerk's face, rob it, and then jump out the, the drive-through window. Uh, and the... It, so in effect, the person that is being denied medicine is me, the responsible person that is not going to, to make meth in my bathroom, 
Although Mitten's behavior lately has been odd. Uh, <laughs> but it, it is going to be the person who, well, if I can't just buy the 17 boxes, I'll just kill somebody, rob the place, and then take the 17 boxes. Right. It just escalates the violence because as you increase government violence in the world of the drug trade, you escalate their behavior and then it just becomes a bigger and bigger problem. And, you know, it's it's inconveniencing the people who are the good actors and incentivizing poorer behavior. So somebody like you, who is a good actor, who is going to take the medicine responsibly, who is in the, is going to have to take time off of work, decreasing the productivity of the good actor because of the incentivization of the bad actor. Right. It, it, we, because of these silly laws, how much productive time in our workforce do you think we lose going to the doctor for... You know, like he wants me to go see him every month or every other month to get a prescription to Lexapro filled. I'm just not going to do that. I'm not going to take a half a day off of work to go out to Brownsburg, which is an hour away, to go get that prescription filled. Right. So I can give him $190 of my insurance company's money and 25 of my own because of silly rules i'm i make mine last as long as i can so i'll i mean it's again a silly inconvenience but i'll just break mine in half right because I, I really only take them when i fly just because i, I hate being around that many people like right. in like a starting starting can it's terrible um or i'll try to you know stack my doctor's appointments together where i can say hey you know i'm gonna kill five birds with one stone here but it it sucks to say like I'm doing so well right now that I don't necessarily need to see my doctor sure. all the time that it's like I really don't want to drive I live downtown I don't want to drive all the way to Carmel mm. to see my nurse practitioner for 30 minutes 30 minutes and north waste, out and, of your way yeah. and waste time right it's ridiculous and we kind of talked about this before the show but I know so many people who if you are in severe pain like living with debilitating pain a lot of times some of the best pain specialists aren't necessarily in your hometown, in your region, or in your state. So, I mean, look at those people who, for example, I know my grandmother lives up in uh, northern Indiana, so, like, right in between, like, right on the border between Michigan and um, Indiana. One of her specialists is in Fort Wayne. That's mm. almost a three-hour drive. So, I mean, you have these regulations that tell you, oh, well, you know, you have to come in every 30 days. I mean, that's a lot of time, that's a lot of money, and that's a lot of inconvenience yeah ultimately which i'm sure will just improve once uh trump care <laughs> gets enacted it's a well thought, thought out you know one of the reasons that um our our friend that that had the baby in cancun she's on hoosier helper insurance because they're self-employed and it was impossible for her to get covered under insurance so she used the the hoosier helper insurance which is kind of the the Medicare exchange for Indiana. Is that right? It's like the Hoosier Helpers, like the Medicare exchange for Indiana. Uh, Healthy Indiana plan. That's what it is. Thank you. Uh, Pedro's here uh, fact checking in real time. Um, <laughs> and so they were trying to get to a hospital in Florida to have emergency care on the premature baby and her out of Cancun. And they couldn't get to any hospital in Florida because no one would take their insurance because it was a Hoosier help. It was the HIP plan, uh, and so they had to have extra expense to fly here. 
imagine if we could sell across state lines. Imagine if we had insurance that was more free market. Uh, you know, mittens is going to need a doctor if she doesn't get out of here. Come on, get out of here. Watch out. She'll knock your water okay, over. She's, she's very naughty. Well, so, I mean, the world would definitely, we'd be a lot better off yeah. ultimately if we were able to do that with our insurance. Yeah. So I, the, there's so many great documentaries out there that kind of talk about how government policy incentivizes us to stay fat and sick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, if you just talk about food, for instance, you look at um, like hydrogenated. Uh, if yeah, sorry, my cat is just being a real piece of shit right now. Um, I love you, mittens, but we're trying to do a show and see. Here's the deal. I'm not home a lot through the week, and so on Thursdays, it's I'm sitting in one place, and so that's when she comes to love on me, right in the right. middle of the show. So if you watch the videos on YouTube, you will, there's a 100% chance as you watch it, the show on your uh, on your Roku, that you will see my cat's asshole. <laughs> um, but it's a, she means it only in friendship. Uh, if you look at, like, hydrogenated corn oil or whatever it is, the the the... What's the sugar replacement? The that they turn corn. I, oh, you know um, what I'm talking about. Yeah, no added uh, high fructose corn high syrup. High fructose corn That's what syrup. It is. Yeah. yeah, you know the the government incentivizes because basically the uh, you, like you take something like milk. Milk is not necessarily good for you. I mean, it's why like I'm lactose intolerant. I know you have uh, stomach. Sensitivities. S- s- let's say sensitivities. <laughs> um, she flees events half the time because uh, I'm, you know, I've had that during the podcast uh, when Hannah Drazic so eloquently pointed out, did you shit your pants? <laughs> uh, yes, I did because I'd had milk earlier that day. <laughs> like milk isn't good for you, but because the Milk Growers Association or the milk, the cow, the dairy associations across the country have bought off politicians to make sure that milk, eggs, beef, wheat, all these gluten products, corn, these that they are they become the staples of the American diet instead of things like vegetables, which let's be honest, have you ever seen a Brussels sprouts association? <laughs> like no, there there no. isn't a cucumber association. Nobody stands up for the poor vegetables except for the vegans and nobody likes them. They're worse than the keto people. Awful. Um so you you have a diet that's kind of upside down because government policy incentivizes these foods that are not good for you and not necessarily healthy. And I would encourage you, like, just do, like, a paleo diet or do even a vegetarian diet or a keto diet, God forbid. Um, change your diet and kind of just eliminate wheat and see how much – and dairy, wheat and dairy, like, especially, see how much better you feel. Like, you're, you'll be less foggy. You'll be less sick. And you watch a lot of these documentaries, which I think the documentaries on YouTube and on Netflix are incredibly powerful in changing American attitudes towards a lot of things. It really does benefit people because then they'll try stuff. I tried out being a vegetarian for like three months and I felt a lot better, but I also hated my life. Um, And and you watch these documentaries and you kind of go, oh, yeah. The government is incentivizing things that just don't make sense, that right. aren't really that good for us. Mm-hmm. So, For sure. Well, I, I wanted to maybe kind of talk about a, a solution as we um, wrap up. Um, I think one of the biggest ones, and I know this is a long shot, ending the drug war would be great. 
first and um, foremost. First yeah. and foremost, that that's like thing. that's like number one. That would be great. Um, but I think right now, right here in Indiana, we need to get the CBD oil registry mm-hmm. figured out. And what frustrates me, I I believe last time I read, it's only for people that suffer from seizures. It's not just a free for all. No, it is only is it, seizures. It's only seizures. Yeah, um, and I think it's childhood seizures. I think it's that limited. Yep. And the, the governor, who is fairly libertarian-leaning, said, you know, we're signing this for children with uh, epilepsy. We're not going down the slippery slope of legalizing pot. Which I I respect Eric Holcomb, but I have to disagree with him on that, um, Governor Eric Holcomb. Um, but I another anecdote real quick. I have a good friend of mine who lives in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Last time I she was um, in Indiana, she and I were talking, and she um, asked me, she said, hey, my father is 80 years old and he has Parkinson's to the point where he can't stop shaking. Mm. He's in a lot of pain. It's debilitating. Do you know much about the laws in Indiana or in Georgia about us getting any type of medical marijuana for him? Because him being a little bit older um, is worried about the legality of it and only wants to take CBD oil if it's legal. Well, unfortunately, there's not many ways in Georgia to get around it, but um, you know, for here in Indiana, I have to say, okay, seizures, that's fine and dandy. That's great for them. What about people that have Parkinson's? What about people that have Crohn's disease? What right. about people who are car accident victims who have been struck by lightning? I mean, there's so many people that have, um, even ding- anxiety, depression. There are a lot of studies that have come out recently that I'll um, add to the show notes that talk about how using medical marijuana, using edibles, anything like that can really help and get people off of these mind altering drugs that you and I have been talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's something that would really put Indiana in the right step um, and would have the potential to really increase the quality of life for a lot of people. The the people in Denver have so much money that they don't know what to do with all the money. <laughs> like they have, right. And they have so much cash because they can't put it into federal banks. Like that, it's dangerous. But like, they have so much money that they don't know what to do with all the money. Like, if you're a local municipality or a local state, like, why wouldn't you want that that condition where you have something that is helping people that is less dangerous than pot? Like the We Are Libertarians parties, where there was one party where there was a pot party, and there was one party where it was an alcohol party, and where everybody was just, like really drunk, and it was like way too out of hand but then the one where everybody seemed to get stoned it was just like cool man (laughs) having a good time like it's just so nonsensical like i don't understand how somebody like jeff sessions could sit there and say uh no the the crime rates that are dropping in in all these places that legalized marijuana we need to stop that we need crime to increase we need people to get less help. We need. I mean, medical marijuana, I think, was kind of started to, as an end around to get people comfortable with the idea of pot. But it really has been a, like almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. I mean, it has been incredibly helpful to, uh, to people across the nation. And why wouldn't we want to do that? Why wouldn't we want people to, to alleviate the stresses of life? Well, I can give you a lot of answers that to that question but that would probably be a whole other sure episode we'll, we'll do a totally different what are some other things that people can do 
Um, I think, obviously, talking to your legislator, um, anyone that represents you in the government, sending them emails, sending them podcasts like this, sending them any studies. Um, again, I'll put those in the show notes. Maybe we can share them on our Facebook page, everything mm-hmm. like that, for We Are Libertarians. Um, You'll have to get through Kat Anagnos. I oh, don't know if you're familiar with her, but she's in I've charge of, of her. social media now. Perfect. Um, I mean, reaching out that way is a really good thing to do. Um but other other than that, I think I have to noodle a little bit more about what we can do here in Indiana, because um, unfortunately, it's one of those things where I can tweet as much as I want to the General Assembly and say, hey, there are young children with seizures <laughs> that need the CBD oil, but you're not letting them have it legally. You know, I can do that as much as I want, but I don't know if it's necessarily going to make the biggest difference. I think it's one-on-ones that really help. I think getting involved mm-hmm. and talking to them one-on-one has really helped. I know, I know that Jess Hooker, who was on our show, she did a lot of that, and I think that that really helped the bill pass. And I think it comes down to the foundational principle of this series, which is tell your story, and through the power of telling your story, through that courage, people's lives will be changed because we're storytelling creatures that's how we transmit ideas is through storytelling and people will feel empowered when they hear your story to tell their story and we can start to make social change by just you know opening up about these issues and saying this isn't right it's not right that a hundred people saw rachel wood dying this needs to stop let's get horizon out of our systems out of our state and it worked Right. You know what I mean? Like, so you've got to you've got to open up and tell people your story. And I think Chloe and I would both say that if you struggle with depression, if you struggle with suicidal thoughts, if you struggle with, um, you know, your weight, if you struggle with anything like this thing that is sitting there crushing you emotionally, spiritually, mentally, physically, you have to just stop making excuses. Don't let the government be an excuse to live in misery. You got to stand up, you got to start fighting, and you got to ask for help. And that's like the most important thing is building a group of people that will help you. You know, like Greg has been incredible. When I got divorced, the only close friends that I had were Hannah Drozic and Greg. Right. And I have made an effort to build a big circle of friends who can support me and vice versa. And I'm very fortunate in that way. And uh, do the same. You will not regret it. Final thoughts, Chloe? Well, first, I want to thank you for having me on. Um, It's nice to kind of talk about something that's near and dear to my heart. I hope we can do it again soon when Mm -hmm. I get back from vacation, because I I have a lot of other things that I I want to say about this. And hopefully, you know, we have some listeners that reach out and um, maybe can give me examples of different things that I can do from other states, wherever they may be. Um, Yeah, that's that's about it. Big government sucks. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's it it just stands. It is. Spontaneous order is a concept that people should look up. It is uh, it's why birds birds don't sit there and have a schematic to fly in a V. <laughs> they just know how to do it. Okay, they if you didn't have stoplights, people would not drive through intersections. They would stop out of their own safety. Spontaneous order exists, and that's how the market operates. Is that people act in best interest in what will help them and what will help the other person. And anytime government gets involved and we use the government to try and quote unquote help, it it goes all the way from these minor annoyances where we have to take productivity out of our jobs to go to the doctor to get nonsensical prescriptions all the way up to the death of people. And so just really want to highlight this series and thank you, Chloe, for coming on to kind of help highlight a lot of this and to to talk about 
some of what you've struggled with and and give us uh, some good information on a lot of this stuff. And I, I appreciate it. Anytime. All right. Thank you. Uh, please be sure next time you see Kat to give her a noogie. Absolutely. Uh, uh, all right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of We Are Libertarians. I'm not going to do Greg's catchphrase. Kat tried to do that, and he... he... I'm pretty sure I could do it pretty well okay. if he wanted to try. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of We Are Libertarians. Please be sure to share, rate, and review on iTunes, donate, uh, and uh, please uh, be nice to each other and help each other out. And as always, we promise... To do better next time. Not bad. Well, okay. <laughs> no, you did good. <laughs> that was. Did you listeners? Did you hear the insecurity come through? <laughs> what could I have done better? <laughs> Thank you for listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Get our other shows at wearelibertarians.com.